Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to this edition of the AI Tech Sales Podcast. Uh, with me today, I have Corey Bray, eight-time sales author and founder of Code CRM. Uh, very, very excited to have Corey. I've known Corey for many years, uh, and today's going to be, I'm sure, a very fun discussion. Uh, Corey, you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, what he said. Happy to be here. Nice to, nice to hang out and talk about AI. This is going to be good. I think we're, uh, we're going to have a lively discussion. I, I'm sure we are. Corey, you want to talk a little bit about Code CRM and what you guys do? Yeah, so we're not AI. Uh, we, we help managers take problems from identified identified problem and coach them through to resolution to hold their team accountable to, to really up-leveling each individual, um, diagnosing and prioritizing what needs to be coached, executing that coaching conversation, and then moving on to the next thing. So every person is constantly getting better. And yeah. then give executives visibility into what's going on. And so executives can jump in and help guide managers on how to coach their teams better. Because coaching, I don't know about you, but I didn't study in college and I don't know anybody that did. So it's it's something that that the world needs more of. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're working on. So it sounds like really built, bringing in accountability and a process around coaching and holding managers accountable for that. Yeah. Yeah. We do have some AI stuff coming, but I'm not talking about it yet. All right. Well, tight lift, I guess. <laughs> Um, all right, let, let's start. Let's start with a fun one. I talked to some managers, some sales leaders who are who talk about GPT, AI, and the potential that you know maybe managers will almost go away. Reps can self serve. Reps can do a lot of things by themselves. You need a very thin layer of management. What do you think? Can AI take away a lot of the manager's job? The, the best basketball players need a coach. The best baseball players need a coach. Everyone other than Bubba Watson and John Daly needs a coach. So yeah. why do the highest performing people who are literally at the top of their game that can wake out, wake up and be top 10 people in the world, why do they need a coach? Because they're human. Computers don't coach them. They go to golf simulator all day long, hit balls and get the computer to tell them what to do. That doesn't work. So yeah. I don't think coaching's ever going away because you, you have a world where in sales, most people didn't study sales. And if they did, they studied at a very superficial level. It's not what it actually is in the real world because it wasn't make or break mortgage, kids school and all of those other things. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a hard game and you've got people that are not at the top 10 in the world. Yeah. There's, there's, there's going to be a, a need for sales managers forever. And I, I would argue there's a greater need for sales managers today than most people believe that there is. So I think I agree with you, but what I would also say, this is my perspective is if as a manager, you don't think about and adopt some of the more recent advances in AI and the capabilities it provides you, you're just going to be less efficient. You're going to be left behind by the managers that do. What do you think? Give me an example. I'm skeptical. So one of the things I have seen some of the best managers do is use GPT and chat GPT for ideas around how can you do better discovery? How can you ask better questions? Things of that nature. One of the things I know that GPT is really good at is creativity. If you ask, if you give GPT a, you know, here's what the prospect said, tell me five different things I could have said. Now, it's possible four of them are garbage or close to garbage, but one of the five is probably going to be something better than what the average rep would have said. So I'm seeing a lot of managers complement their own creativity with what GPT is suggesting to them. So they'll have GPT suggest five or 10 suggestions, and then they'll pick the best one that is relevant for that context and that prospect. So it yeah. basically up levels them by suggesting a whole universe of things that they would may not have thought of otherwise because they're so busy and doing so many things. One example, there are many. Yeah. So, so I, I, I'm skeptical in this world and here's where my, my skepticism comes from is yeah. that, so I, I also own a sales consulting firm called Closed Loop. And what, what we've done in the past is worked with a lot of teams 
that were struggling to hit their goals. There wasn't a common language in the team and they were just the skill set of the team was not where it needed to be in order to hit their performance targets. And what I found was that salespeople often were not formally trained in a sales methodology that they actually used, that the managers actually coached and the enablement team actually supported. So what you have instead is a bunch of people just doing whatever's easy for them, doing whatever's top of mind, doing whatever they've seen other folks do to some extent. And so you've got all these different variations. And so here's what happens. If you have eight people on a sales team and they're all doing different things, it's impossible to coach because you don't have a system. Your basketball team had 10 different players that were all running 10 different plays. What do you think the coach would be doing? Well, getting fired, first of all, so nothing. <laughs> that's that, that's the thing. So I think what, what what's happening is, is that people often don't have the rigor and common language around sales process and sales methodology. And so as a result, there's so many unforced errors that, yeah, the computer can look at it and be like, yeah, you should have done that differently. But again, we're going back to one-off suggestions to folks that, that should be more systematic in my view. Interesting. So would it be fair to say that you think AI is somewhat overrated in terms of like its impact on the sales world in general? I was at an event years ago and it was a, it was a panel speaking event. It was probably, I don't know, 300 people or so. And there was this guy on stage who I've since become good friends with. And they, they asked him a question. They said, what is AI? And he looked at the guy and said, it's a two-character domain extension that doubles your valuation. Okay, which year was this in though? It was 2016, 2017. Okay. You and think it's still the case in 2023? I completely disagree, by the way. I, I, that might, I think that was definitely the case in 2017. Um, so what's changed? What's changed is the quality of things like GPT. Of course, even beyond GPT in, in, the, in the computer vision world and image world, there's just incredible abilities to create images from text and you know, in, in many different dimensions, the abilities for um, AI to approach human level performance or even exceed it on many different tasks is incredible, right? So you think about coding and you think about how you can write an entire application using GPT in a handful of minutes if you know what you're doing and you can do a little bit of debugging. Um, so I think it's just quality. I think it's GPT is at a totally, and so far we have not seen this level of quality in terms of being able to do a bunch of different tasks around, you know, summarization, creativity, suggesting real world reasoning. Well, like I think, that. I think, I think summarization is a place where I'd agree with you because I think that the other thing that I've seen just working with tons of companies is that most companies have some kind of call recording tool. Yeah. And then you go in there and you can listen to it on 2X or 2.5X and cool. So you can listen to the calls faster. Yeah. I think the challenge is summarizing and actually getting salient points out of it is not something because the, the keyword analysis or whatever, I, just, I, I haven't seen companies actually use that in a productive way that supports the sales methodology, that supports coaching. It'd be like, oh yeah, yeah hey, the competitor's name was mentioned. Cool. Well, that's great for product. That doesn't help sales. You know, oh, they, they, they said no. Okay, cool. But that's one of the most, I don't know, I'm not a Wheel of Fortune champion. It was probably top 50 word in the English language, maybe top 10. I don't know. There are there, there are so, I just said the word no, but it starts with K. I'm talking about an N. There's, there, there's so many nuances here. And with transcription accuracy is, still, you have an 87% transcription accuracy and people are waving victory laps. They're running victory laps because that's that's phenomenal in, in many cases. So I think that there are, 
if you can actually summarize the meeting in an intelligent way where someone can skim something for 30 seconds and not have to watch something for 30 minutes, I'll give it to you. That's, that's an advance. Well, uh, anyone listening to this call, we, you should go and look at our website and see our demo of, uh, not to bring in Copilot and what we do, but uh, it's something we do pretty well. We take the call and we uh, we summarize it into its essential components. Um, but that's just a little little bit about what we do. But I think you know the reason why we're able to do that. To your point on summarization, to your point that. And I wasn't feeding into his hand, by the way, just so everybody knows this. this we did not rehearse this. We didn't rehearse this at all. Uh, prep. <laughs> CB doesn't prep. Um, but the reason why we're able to summarize, to your point, right? So far, most people use Gong course. That's the best in class way to know what happened on a call. And yeah. the best you can do there is listen to call in 3x. But the reason why we're able to take that call and summarize it is because of where AI is today. It's because of where GPT is. It's because of where all these other models are. And we're just starting off. We're just in the initial phases of where AI is. So I yeah. think from my perspective, I, I very strongly believe that any sales leader, sales manager, sales rep, whatever you, wherever you are in sales, in order to be able to be successful in the next decade, you need to be able, you need to embrace AI by the horns. It's not going to be everything, of course. I think ultimately what I think I will agree with you at is you're not going to be able to replace completely the human element. When you're making a $100,000 purchase, you want to buy from a human. When you're making a $10,000 purchase, you still want to buy from a human. A $10,000 purchase is still a $10,000 purchase, right? Um, well, I think, I think here's, here's my take on it, on this topic. So I play chess. I play an excessive amount of chess. And what I've got really into recently is chess.com has come out with some really amazing AI. And I think that here, and here's the distinction on why I'm kind of negative in general around sales. AI and very positive around chess AI is because chess is a, it's not a completely solved problem, but it's pretty close to a solved problem. The computer is going to be the best, the best chess player in the world is a computer. And yeah. Magnus Carlsen cannot be a computer. Well, what, what chess.com allows me to do is after my game, I go back in there and it says, okay, let's, let's go to the next key move. So do, 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 key move, you made it. It says, Hey, here's this thing. And it says, would you like to retry it? And I retry it and it and, and I get to show it, or it says, Hey, would you like to see the moves? And it'll play out what they call the line in chess. And it'll show the, the white and the black moves some degree into the future, maybe as many as 10 or 15 moves into the future of what would happen if the computer and the computer played the best possible moves coming out of that. So you can really learn. Now in sales, is there an opportunity to do something like that where, it, okay, it summarizes it for me, but how do I as a human learn from that? Because if I just read it, that's information, but I, I need to practice it. I need to bridge this gap from knowing to mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And I might need some guidance and some feedback on how I did. Whereas in chess, I retry my mistake. I go from a blunder to a best move. Boom, I've locked it in. I've gotten feedback from the system. This is where a sales manager or a coach could come in handy. And hey, we've identified these things for meeting summaries that are inaccuracies, mistakes, or blunders. Let's go retry those and get some feedback from that person or even from yourself, whatever, on how we did version two. That becomes very interesting to me. You know what? When we started this, I thought we were disagreeing completely, but I actually think we're agreeing on something, which is AI in sales, because of how non-structured it is and how every sales deal is different, AI can augment the manager, it can augment the coach, it can augment the rep if you use it effectively, but it can't, it can't replace it. And it's not like plug and play, right? You have to take AI, you have to take your intuition, put it together, but AI can help form that intuition. AI can give you examples that you could have improved on, but ultimately you still have to take responsibility as a rep. You still have to take responsibility as a manager to coach your rep in order to use AI effectively.
Correct. Yeah, I was I was listening to uh, Lex Friedman podcast. He had Hikuru Nakamura. I think okay. that's his name. He's, he's like the number two, number three chess player in the world, number one blitz player. Yeah. And Hikuru uh, was talking about how when he was younger, I think he's in his mid to late 30s right now. When he was younger, he took so long to learn a lot of the things that the kids learn immediately now because of the compute power. Mm. And, and so the speed to learn new things is correlated heavily with the ability for computers to be able to point out and guide the, the individual. So I'm, I, yeah, and I love what you said about sales being more unstructured. Chess is very structured. There's a certain number of moves, a certain number of squares, a certain number of combinations, and, and games can be won or lost very quickly and then just pretty much over with. Sales is completely different. There are a undefined number of players on either side, an undefined game, and there's no, there's no forced outcome. In chess, there's a forced outcome. It's a win, a loss, or a draw. Right. And, and you know, if I take the example of uh, coding software engineering, I, I, listen to a lot of engineers it's probably somewhere in between chess and that it's definitely a lot more structured than sales but it, there's also more ambiguity around what the outcome is and what system etc you want to implement um the best engineers today have already started using gpt microsoft copilot things of that nature to actually um dramatically improve their productivity right it doesn't mean that they're useless now in fact it means that they can spend all of their time on debugging. They can do a bunch of the you know, initial work and get GPT to create that, all their initial code. And then they use their understanding of systems, infrastructure, et cetera, to take that and make sure it makes sense. Yeah. And I think the same sort of principle can apply to a lot of white collar work. You take what AI gives you, but then you layer in your human intuition. And I think that's the most important in sales because that's where the most ambiguity is, right? With code, there's if you're going for a certain outcome, it can be reasonably well-defined, but with sales, you have multiple stakeholders, you have, you know, multiple different uh, things that people care about. And there's just so much ambiguity that's, that's inherently there. So if you take what AI take, tells you and complement that with your understanding and intuition of the market, that could be really powerful. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the, one of the ways to remove ambiguity from a sales conversation or sales, let's call it sales deal. Let's call it a deal because a deal has more ambiguity than it. In a meeting, right. a great way to remove ambiguity from a meeting is to have a clearly defined sales process and a clearly defined sales methodology. Correct. Because if you know that meeting one is in stage one and stage one is called whatever you want to call it, discovery, whatever, then you know that stage one has activities that you do. It has activities that might be required and optional. You have exit criteria and you've got things like content pieces or whatever that are associated with that. Cool. And then from your methodology perspective, you know that you start a meeting with uh, logistics agendas and next steps. And you know that you end your meeting with logistics agendas and next steps. And you know that you're going to ask a pain question. You're probably going to have some objections that you, you need to manage. You might tell a customer story. Yeah. You might go deeper into discovery around resources. Cool. Well, if, if the AI understands that and understands the structure, so now we're taking general sales and turning it in more like chess, then it becomes super powerful. Because it says, this is what a good discovery meeting in general looks like. There are these seven elements to it. And these other three things could happen. These other things rarely happen. If they rarely happen, they're really good. And these other things rarely happen. If they really happen, it's really bad. The more structure it gets, the more likely it is to produce some good insights and good outcomes. And then that becomes very interesting. Because then once you have that structure, you can actually track adherence to the process. You can also yeah. track if the process is working, right? If you, want to, if you need to change the process. Things of that nature. Well, and that's the thing with people. You, you, you can't coach somebody on something they haven't been trained at. It's not fair. And so if you come in here, you're like, you're doing it wrong. Well, you didn't tell me to do it that way. 
Now you've got this contentious relationship between the coach and the coachee. Whereas if we say, hey, look, when we're doing demos, we want our talk time to be less than 50, you know, 40 to 55%, whatever it is. We want to make sure that we are simple in our language. We're acutely focused on the pain that we've uncovered. We're relevant to the persona we're talking to. And we ask engaging questions, things that start with what or how to get the prospect to elaborate. If we've got that type of structure, that's the share framework from Triangle Selling, for those of you listening at home, then we, we've got a real clear idea of what should happen during a demo. And then you can score that using AI, maybe not on a quantitative basis. That's cool. You can do that. That's fine for certifications, diagnostics and, and whatnot. But you could also identify, hey, what's if I'm going to coach this person on one thing, what's the lowest hanging fruit across all the stuff that they're doing? And that's really interesting. That's not, and again, like that's where Coach CRM picks up. We don't do any of that stuff. We rely on all the other people that are doing really hardcore analytical things to say, here, hey manager, here's something really important to coach the person on. Yeah. And then we work to shepherd that to resolution. So that's that's the the real interesting thing to me. And in some ways it's that partnership, right? It's the AI plus the, the human, the Coach CRM yeah. and the co-pilot that together can have real, Sort of impact. I, I have, I have one more question for you. Here. Uh, you talked about the Japanese chess player Aikuru, Aikuru, and how when he was a kid, it took much longer to learn. If you extrapolate that, and let's say that's true for sales too, and the modern generation of sales reps is going to be a lot more. It's de they're definitely a lot more comfortable being digital and selling over the phone and video and all of that because of the pandemic and other things. But they're also a lot more comfortable learning. What does that mean for sales leaders? People, you know spend a decade, two decades in sales are in some sort of sales leadership position, how can they best adapt to the modern world of selling, whether that includes, you know, how AI is going to impact their job, but also other broader trends in sales? Well, I think that, I think that people have a shorter attention span. It's ironic that people don't want to watch anything more than two minutes, but the company that's trying to solve sales training with two minute videos doesn't exist anymore. So that's interesting. I think the, the thing people have to do is get back to the basics around how human beings learn. And the, the thing that we've got to know is that for, for a person, a human to be successful in a job, they have to know things and they have to do things. <laughs> and when they do things, they have to do them, do them well and do them well under pressure. And if we can't define what all that means and one, one mechanism to do that is what they call a competency matrix. If we can't diagnose where somebody's at, make a plan to get them to where they need to be, then what are we doing? We're playing games and we're not being serious about our, our job. So this is where sales leadership, sales enablement, sales management, salespeople all work together, but understand where is someone, where should they be and how are we going to get them there? And there are lots of tools to help that happen, but the tools are just a mechanism to go from current state to desired state. My, my big takeaway in all this, that's, this is my sort of macro level takeaway. I think with AI, the right attitude becomes even more important than it was in the past. Because I think 10 years ago, there was, you know, sales skills, there is still, of course, salesmanship, how you how you like communicate with a person building rapport and all that. But I think what AI gives you today is if you care about your job, and if you care about doing well, you have so much more opportunity for self development, and so much more opportunity to figure out things you could have done better. All you have to do is go and do it and go and take in that. So as a sales leader, if I were a sales leader hiring out a team, I would optimize less of, you know, for salesmanship and optimize a lot more for the right attitude and the ability to learn and, and develop yourself. AI uh, attitude index. I love it. I think, I think, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. 
That's good. Well, I mean, you can teach people. If people have aptitude, they can learn things. Right. And, and I think that, oh, here's another thing that's really interesting. That a lot of times in B2B sales, it's hard to get a job unless you had a job as a prospector. A lot of times people want to go in there and say, I want to be a closer. Like, well, you never were a prospector, so we're not going to give you a closer job. Now, here's the problem with that, that you're taking people into a job where they typically have to do a bunch of research. They have to orchestrate tools, and then they have to go talk to strangers. Now, the, the subset of the human population that is good at and wants to do research and talk to strangers is a very small number of people. But now we're asking one person to do both of these jobs. And unless you're successful in that, you're not going to get promoted into a closing role. That's an artificial barrier that's ridiculous. So here's what AI can do. And this is, this is really interesting because you've got these prospecting automation tools that, that take, you, know, you put all your data in there and then they send emails and tell you who to call and all, all that type of stuff. Well, their pricing model traditionally has been on a per user per month basis for the end user. Right. And the reason they did that is because in the late 2000 zeros and the 2000 teens, I guess they call it the aughts in the early teens, yeah. the, the pricing model for, for sales tech was around price per month, pr price per user, and be less than Salesforce. And so that's what they did. But why do you have a bunch of individual entry-level employees all running their own tech stack to create their own sequences and to load their own data and to research their own people and then to monitor all of this? Why isn't that one person behind a control panel that's really good at it? Right. Because they're selling per user per month why wouldn't they just say, hey, it's 40 grand for your company and we're going to have one super ninja monitor this like Homer Simpson behind the, the computer station, hopefully with some more competence. Right. That, that seems to make much more sense to me. And then, hey, let the people that like talking to strangers spend all day talking to strangers instead of forcing them to do two things, research, talk to strangers that are inherently not going to be something that they're both good at and like to do. And with AI, you could, you could actually achieve the world where you have that Homer Simpson behind the scenes. Correct. Interesting. Maybe it's more like Minority Report than... You know what? This, this, this reminds me, I was uh, listening to this podcast um, on a sales community and John Barrows was on it and he was talking about how today, 80% of sellers, it was his point, 80% of sellers are in what he wouldn't consider a typical sales role. They're like pushing buttons, right? Like you're pushing buttons to send a sequence, you're pushing buttons to send an email, you're pushing buttons to respond to an email. And he was talking about how when he became a seller, the core, the core skill set was talking to people and getting constantly rejected. And that builds a muscle. And it's a muscle that a lot of people in sales are not directly exposed to. Today. They must be talking to different people than me. I don't know, 80% of salespeople are pushing buttons. <laughs> I, that was, I mean, that was, that was number. I think it's, yeah, it's, I think it's, his point was how, and I think it, it, it uh, relates to what you're saying. A lot of sales or what is considered sales jobs has become, a lot more of the job has become less by talking to people. Well, I don't, I don't consider sales development and BDR a sales job. It's a marketing yeah. function. That's, that's, I mean, they call it telemarketing for a reason. Right. They don't call it telemarketing anymore because nobody wants to get a college degree and then go be a telemarketer. But sales, salespeople don't push buttons. Salespeople talk to people. Now, yeah, salespeople talk to people over Zoom. Here's the other thing. But inside sales, this is actually way more interactive than it used to be. Because inside sales used to talk to people over WebEx or GoToMeeting, audio only. So audio only plus screen share. Yeah. Or before that, audio only. There was no video interaction. So I would argue that the complete opposite of that is that salespeople are actually much more engaged on a human to human level. Fewer people are flying on planes, which I love flying on planes. I think more people should fly on planes because 
you get in front of a prospect with a whiteboard, your, your close rate's going to go up. Plus, they want to buy from the person that walked in their office and shook their hand, looked in the eye, or they want to buy from the person that they chatted to on Zoom a couple of times. Anyways, aside from that, inside sales has a great place, and I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all. My, my point is that salespeople aren't button pushers. Prospecting, if you're in a sales development, business development role, it's not a sales role because you, you're out there trying to get people to take a meeting with you. Well, those prospects will take meetings with five or 10 vendors. They're yeah. only going to buy from one of them. They might buy from two in very rare circumstances. So right. that's that's the thing. It's a marketing function where you're trying to get somebody's attention. You're trying to get them to come and spend some time with you. And then you hand that over to the salesperson that's going to run a sales process and yeah. close. So I, I, again, that's so, what, so what's your advice for someone just graduate, graduating out of college today and is considering an SDR job? What's your advice to them? If they want to be in sales, they should do it. And they should figure out what their plan is. How do they, where do they want to be in five years and work backwards from there? Talk to people. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is that if you're, if you're talking to people, you're developing skills. If your company's equipping you with that roadmap, that competency matrix of here's the stuff that you need to be good at. And, and it's cool. Just got to realize you start a new job. You're not an A player. You might have a talent. You might have a aptitude. Probably enough. Yeah. That's, that's fine because you can only that's go how everyone there. Starts. That's how yeah. everyone starts. But I will add to this. I think that if you want to be, if you want to have a faster track to being an A plus SDR, getting promoted as an AE, of course you have to have the competency matrix, get the reps in and talking to people, et cetera. But I think you also have to use AI. Get, get, more, get more work done, get better without, don't rely on having an amazing manager, use AI to figure out what you could have done differently on your calls. Um, be very invested in your development and use the software that is there out there for free, GPT. Obviously you can use us as well at Copilot use that software to dramatically upskill yourself and don't rely on, you know, the goodwill of your company, having a good manager. The biggest difference I think is you have a lot of tools at your own disposal to be really fucking good at your job today. Yes. And it's all up to you. As well, yeah. Way. Yeah. And I'll throw another one out there that I just thought of. So we talked about the summarization, which I, which I think is a great, great use case. Yeah. The other one is going go in GPT and say, what does this CFO do? Who reports to a CFO? How does seasonality impact a CFO's job? What are the things CFOs are most concerned about? You go in there, you go super deep because there's, there's broadly speaking in SaaS, there's two types of companies. There are three types of companies. So there's marketplaces, not talking about that. There are, there are companies that sell products that have a very specific use case. And there are companies that sell platforms. Well, if you're in one of those worlds where you sell to lots of different people that do lots of different things, if you can know more about them, and actually help that drive the types of questions that you ask during discovery conversations, yeah. you're gonna be in pretty good shape, at least better shape. 100%, like, and this is where I think when you combine, I think a big theme of this conversation has been combining the AI with your intuition and what you know, right? So the thing I think GPT in my experience has been really good at is if you tell GPT, hey, tell me 10 things that a CFO cares about in this environment, or tell me 10 things that a CFO in this industry could potentially care about given whatever the context of the market. Yeah. It'll tell you 10 things. And then you, either with your own intuition, if you've done a few calls, or you take those 10 things and say, hey, manager, here are 10 things that GPT is telling me. Which of these do you think is the most important to focus on? And that's so much better than saying, hey, manager, what does a CFO care about? Yeah. In general, when you give someone a blank slate, it's much harder than giving someone, hey, here are five options. It's what you do in sales too, right? You give people options and you ask them to pick. Similarly, for your own development, if you give people options, your manager, other people, people more senior in the industry, and say, hey, what should I be focusing on? This is the context of the deal. Here are seven things that have been suggested. What should I be focusing on? 
that's yeah. when you, you can make magic happen, right? That's so, good. And your, your sales enablement team should be pushing that to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're sort of at time here, but this was a fun conversation. I think, well, how would you summarize this? One sentence. I'm more bought into AI than I was an hour ago. Interesting. Well, that, that's, I, I would call this, that a success. I've just had such a negative, I, I, I see use cases for it now. Yeah, and y'all should check out the summarization work that Copilot's doing, it's pretty neat. I appreciate that. I, I like the, what you said about AI. AI was, what was the thing you said? Something IQ? I, that was really good. I'll go back and- Well, I, I just, I thought of another one a second ago, you were talking about, it was accelerate intuition. I actually love that. Yes. There's so, there's so, so many different that. things that you can do. I love that. Yes. Because the, the, uh, somebody, somebody told me the original one back in the day, someone said something like AI stands for also in India because they have a team <laughs> of people doing manual work in the background. I, I thought that. Feed the AI. I thought that. That's still the case in some, many places. But I think in sales, yeah, accelerate intuition. Um, it's, it's a great way. You put intuition with, with AI and you make magic happen. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much, Corey. Appreciate you joining us today.